0: Today we're going to talk about an institution that reaches back over a century, it has a logo, universally recognizable, and it runs a large media empire. Oh, this isn't that one you wanted to do about that weird cult thing, is it? <laughs> no, no, no. Today we're talking about okay. the National Geographic Society. Ah, good. I was prepared for that one. This is much nicer. <laughs> the National Geographic Society is one of the world's largest nonprofit scientific and educational organizations. It was founded way back in 1888 to practice and promote work in geography, archaeology, and natural science. It also
1: promotes environmental and historical conservation and a study of the world's culture and history. Its charter includes the directive to increase and diffuse geographic knowledge.
0: You could see that on a bumper sticker, right? Big bumper. (laughs) Really long. The Society's logo is a yellow portrait frame, which of course can be found on its iconic magazine covers, as well as its television channel logo, and gracing other media put out by the group, often produced in partnership with 21st Century Fox. How did all of this get started, Stephen Hackett? We have to go back in time, Michael Hurley. It began as a club for an elite group of academics and wealthy patrons interested in travel and exploration. They met in January 1888 to discuss a society, which I guess is what you did at the time. The society would be tasked with increasing and sharing geographical information. Gardner Green Hubbard became its first president and his son-in-law, Alexander Graham Bell, someone you may be familiar with, succeeded him in 1897. In the fall of
1: 1888, the first National Geographic magazine was published. While it started life as a scholarly journal sent to 165 charter members, National Geographic magazine is currently published in 40 local language editions in many countries spanning the globe. Combined English and other language circulation is around 6.8 million readers monthly, with some 60 million readers in total. Wow, that's huge. <laughs> it's pretty big, which is great, I think, still for magazines in in 2019. It and all other National Geographic materials are published by an arm separated from the main non-profit organization. In
0: 1905, the first edition that included full-page images was published. A picture from Tibet graced this magazine and helped introduce the style that remains today. The magazine began to feature some pages of color photography in the early 1930s, and photos had even spread to the cover by 1959. Perhaps the most famous
1: cover was the one from June of 1985, now known as the Afghan Girl. Shot by photographer Steve McCurry, the portrait is of a young girl with green eyes and a red headscarf, looking intensely at the camera, now believed to be Shabat Gula, who was living in a refugee camp in Pakistan when the image was taken.
0: Gula was the subject of a television documentary titled Search for the Afghan Girl, Which aired in March 2002 and was featured in the April 2002 issue of the magazine. That is vertical integration. (laughs) It is. That is a super iconic image. I mean, if you think about pictures in the 20th century, that's on the short list.
1: In 1975, the group published the first issue of National Geographic World. This replaced the outgoing National Geographic School Bulletin, published weekly during the school year from 1919 to 1975. Then in 2002, the Kids Focus magazine was renamed to National Geographic Kids, with a focus on children between the
0: ages of six and 14. So when I was working on this outline last week, I wrote it, I came in to the house at the end of the day, and I kid you not, there was a new edition of this sitting on my dining room table that had come in the mail. <laughs> it's like they knew they know. They know. <laughs> As of 2006, this magazine reported a circulation of more than 1.3 million in English, including the Hackett household, with an estimated English language readership of more than 4.6 million. There are now over a dozen editions of National Geographic Kids published in other languages. There's even a magazine targeted towards kids uh, kindergarten age and younger named appropriately National Geographic Little Kids. I like to think that the magazine's a bit smaller.
1: <laughs> you know, like they... I don't know. Very literal with the names over there at National Geographic. They really are. Let's get back to the main magazine for a second, which we will now call National Geographic Adults. <laughs> uh, in the late 1990s, the National Geographic Society began publishing a digital compilation of all of the past issues of the magazine. However, it was sued over copyright of the magazine as
0: a collective work. This is a little complicated, but this sort of suit, because this has happened to other publishers as well, these suits claim that because the magazine is actually made up of articles and images from like a wide range of contributors, the National Geographic Society didn't actually have the right to reproduce the work in a new format. In 2004, the Society published the Complete National Geographic
1: on CD-ROM and DVD, which contained image duplicates of the print magazines on disk. <laughs> but as this wasn't a repackaging of the original content, it was just
0: high-quality scans, the Society argued that this was within their rights. <laughs> that, is a, that seems like a real fine line to walk. <laughs> mm-hmm. Eventually, National Geographic won The Case and several other publications have announced similar projects to digitize and sell their archives. I didn't think we'd be talking about copyright law today, but here we are. It's always just one step away on a genius, it feels like. (laughs) I guess so. Anyway... On September
1: 9, 2015, the National Geographic Society announced a deal with 21st Century Fox that would move the magazine to a new partnership, National Geographic Partners, in which 21st Century Fox would hold a 73% controlling interest. Of course, as some listeners may know, in December of 2017, Disney announced that it would acquire 21st Century Fox, which now includes the latter's interest in National Geographic Partners.
0: They're very on brand with their names. I feel like if they're, like the water cooler is like mm-hmm. National Geographic water cooler, that, you know, uh, <laughs> if you get like a, a new computer, it's a National Geographic PC, like it's, it's everywhere.
1: New computer. New
0: computer. <laughs> new, computer. <laughs> new computer. Anyways, mm-hmm. the story here is that Disney really does own everything. All roads lead to the mouse. (laughs) The National Geographic Society publishes a lot more than just the magazine. In 1964, it started producing television content on CBS, and then it moved around a bit, ABC, PBS, NBC, but then back to PBS in the year 2000. Then in January 2001, the
1: National Geographic Channel launched as a joint venture of National Geographic and Fox cable networks. You mean Disney? Well, yeah, but you're (laughs) complicating things now.
0: The channel features a wide range of programming spanning from nature documentaries to reality television, something that has drawn criticism from some. For example, archaeologists have protested
1: shows such as Diggers for promoting the looting and destruction of archaeological sites by promoting the work of metal detecting souvenir hunters and collectible dealers. Diggers was eventually poured from the air. I'd hope so. L- very literal name again
0: mm-hmm. Diggers. <laughs> what do you do? People who dig things. <laughs> Over the years, the channel has spun off several other projects, including Nat Geo Wild, at some point they started shortening it, Nat Geo People, and the Spanish language Nat Geo Mundo. This is the
1: best. This name. I hadn't realized how great all these names were until we started talking about this today. The National Geographic Society isn't all about flashy TV shows. It operates the National Geographic Museum in Washington, D.C., featuring the work of National Geographic explorers,
0: photographers, and scientists. It also runs a spelling bee. Guess what it's called? Can you guess? (laughs) The National Geographic Spelling Bee. That's right. It is a nationwide (laughs) contest here in the United States for fourth through eighth graders.
1: It also publishes both physical and digital maps in tune with its original charter. Can't imagine that's a huge business line. The National Geographic Maps is probably what (laughs) it's called.
0: I don't know that, but I'm just going to guess. There's also a whole bunch of publications we didn't get into, including National Geographic History, National Geographic Traveler, National Geographic News, National Geographic Research, and more. (laughs) The group also has its hand in
1: film Uh, K-19, The Widowmaker, March of the Penguins, The Last Lions, and
0: more have been produced by, you guessed it, National Geographic Films. (laughs) It also provides free resources for educators on its website, and this includes material for lessons, professional development courses, virtual student experiences, classroom grants, and more. As we record today, the society is 131
1: years old, and the group talks about and works on issues that have come up in that time. For example, the world's ever-increasing population is expected to put serious strain on natural resources in the coming decades, and National Geographic is working to protect and to promote life
0: on Earth. The group believes, and this is a quote, if people truly understand the natural world and its people, they will value and protect the planet and the diverse cultures that call it home. I think that's Pretty great. And it works towards that end through all these media and financial programs we've been talking about. The Society has awarded thousands of
1: grants. These focus on work of wildlife and nature, as well as studying human culture and
0: societies. It also tackles projects more directly through short and long-term projects. A few examples include working to support wildlife-compatible landscapes in Montana – studying and reducing plastic pollution in our water and trying to save rhinos from extinction and just a whole lot more. One project that really caught my eye was Space archaeology that just sounds really cool
1: space archaeology so it is still cool but it's cool in a different way national geographic fellow sarah parkak is discovering unknown archaeological sites around the world using imagery from satellites drones and other technologies so she can identify and protect them i love that that's really awesome it is very awesome but they still do air those really bad reality tv shows hey, you got to pay the bills you know National Geographic
0: bills. <laughs> That's the department. <laughs> deals with all of that stuff. Oh boy! Uh, I'd like to thank Ryan for sending in the topic this week. Uh, pretty fun getting to get into to know the society and their huge media organization. If you want to read more, there are a whole bunch of links in the show notes over at relay.fm slash ungeniused slash 70. While you're there, you can get in touch. You can send us an email like Ryan did with a topic suggestion, or you can do it on Twitter. The show is at ungeniused. You can find Mike there as I-M-Y-K-E, and you can follow me on Twitter as I-S-M-H. And until our next episode, Mike, say goodbye. National Geographic, goodbye. (laughs) Adios.